You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Philadelphia Eagles are just one win away. One more win at Lincoln Financial Field away from clinching a Super Bowl berth for the second time in, I believe, five years. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the EPA podcast brought to you by uh, by Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, as always, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all social platforms over at the Philly Pod. Be sure to subscribe to BGN Radio on all platforms, wherever you get your shows, uh, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows. Be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, leave those reviews. Each and every one does help with the exposure. Bleeding Green Nation help bring it to more eyes and ears of Eagles fans and football fans alike. Joined, as always, my faithful co-host, you can find him over on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. Be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel where he breaks down everything Eagles as far as film is concerned. He is Shane Half. And we're here last week. We were like, hopefully we're talking about another uh, another win and previewing another playoff matchup. And here we are at the uh, NFC Championship game where the Eagles are just one win away against Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers from taking another trip to the Super Bowl. How's it, how's it feel, buddy? Feels pretty good. If if you told me before the season that Brock Purdy was all that stood between the Eagles and a Super Bowl, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. So uh feels pretty good. It was nice to see the Eagles just dominate someone again. It, we hadn't seen that in a while. Uh obviously the the Bears game back before Christmas was a tight game. Eagles didn't play their best. And then you had back-to-back weeks of Gardner Minshew and then the week 18 vanilla game plan and then a bye week and you're watching all these other playoff teams play. And I feel like people just forgot how dominant the Eagles truly have been this season. They are the best team in the NFL and they reminded everyone why and why they have that best record as they just took the Giants down 38-7. to So uh, it was a fun weekend. Uh, made a little more fun by the just the callback i guess to five years to the day 38 to 7 over the vikings <laughs> get 38 to 7 over the giants uh all i'm saying is the last time the eagles won a playoff game 38 to 7 we all know what happened exactly exactly and yeah if you would have told me like you mentioned that brock purdy was the it was the only qb in our way not it was it wasn't gonna be aaron Rodgers, it wasn't gonna be Dak prescott it wasn't gonna be anyone else that it's brock purdy in his in his uh very last traffic in the draft leading the 49ers to the NFC championship game that he is the last guy on the way. This is even, this is even a better situation than case Keenum. Obviously the, the defense is a lot better and we'll get into that, but yeah, the Eagles uh, rem- reminded everybody, especially Jalen hurts. He pretty much abolished any lingering doubts about his throwing ability with pretty much the first pass attempt that, uh, that 40 yard strike to Devonta Smith. The game was over 45 seconds in, uh, in my opinion. So after that, after you saw that throw and catch, you pretty much knew that Jalen Hurts, the MVP, was back. And and once the Giants, for whatever reason, and I'll get your thoughts on this as well, Shane, for whatever reason, once they were down 7-0 and Brian Dable decided to be uber aggressive and go for it on fourth and eight, I think it was, and then they then they didn't convert on that. 
gave the Eagles a short field, and the Eagles, of course, take advantage of that and score. Now you're down 14 nothing right from the rip, and it's pretty hard to, to, to rely on the run game once you're in a hole like that. That pretty much takes your best playmaker in Saquon Barkley out of the game, and and it was it was all but over uh, at that point. So your your thoughts on the, the game plan we saw in this game, this was the most dominant performance we've seen since probably the 48-point uh, outburst that the Eagles had, of course, against the Giants right before the uh, the, uh, the the Hurts injury. But I assume you're all but encouraged uh, that that the Eagles are hitting on all cylinders. We saw A.J. Brown get kind of banged up and I guess be a little moody on the sidelines, and then he, he seems to be okay. Uh, but what are, what are your thoughts of, of this Eagles team? Are they the best remaining team as far as these four remaining teams? You have the Chiefs, you have the Bengals, who who just took down the Bills, the 49ers, and this, and this defense, and, of course, Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. And the Eagles, what kind of do you have them ranked as far as the remaining of these teams? They have the best roster. There's no no doubt in my mind. They've got the best roster of anyone that's left. And I mean, of any team in the NFL, there, there's not some better team with a better roster that just got eliminated. They've got the best roster. And you saw it play out in this game. Like They just dominated the Giants. They outgained them 258 to 64 in the first half, had 18 first downs to three for the Giants. And you know that you mentioned it. The the Eagles go score, then the Giants just start to methodically go down the field, and they get down to the like the thirty five yard line. And every Eagles fan is like, "I here we go again." It's just going to be check down, check down, check down. They're just going to move the ball, and then there's a sack, and then you're behind the sticks, and then there's another sack, and and then you get that turnover on downs. And the next five and drive or the next four drives, excuse me, for the Giants, it just snowballed. Interception, three straight, three and outs they gained a total of 36 yards after that first drive in the first half. And I think that's what makes this defense so good. Like it, it can be frustrating to watch, you know, third and two converted third and three converted, but eventually your pass rush wins Hassan Reddick beasts past seven Neal and you get a sack and now you're behind the sticks and the Eagles don't allow explosive plays. And so I thought they did a great job of executing that. Uh, they sacked Daniel Jones five times in this game had 13 pressures. They held him in the pocket. He only had 24 yards rushing. Bradbury, obviously, with the interception. I thought the defense played at a really high level, and it's kind of a great tune-up game before you go in and play the 49ers. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And People are making so much of don't sleep on the Giants, and the Giants are hot right now, and we don't know what the Eagles are because they didn't end the year well, and Jalen Hurts looked kind of rusty in the final game people during that month people did forget how complete that this roster was and it didn't take long for the eagles defense to prove just how inexperienced especially the giants receivers were between isaiah hodgins who who was coming on down the stretch we talked about it last week with with 200 yards plus uh in the last three games you have richie james and all these other guys that that the giants are going to have to rely on but like i said once you get down in that hole you have to start throwing to saquon you can't really run the ball a whole lot and then that's that because that's where the, the Eagles thrive in third and long situations. And Daniel Jones couldn't do uh, uh, a whole lot there. So I think uh, the other unsung hero in this offense, obviously, is Lane Johnson and that torn abductor. Uh, he and Jason Kelsey combined zero pressure, zero sacks, zero QB hits. I believe uh, Jason Kelsey and his quad is a little banged up as well. But we knew uh, people were asking me prior to the game, like, how sure are you that Lane Johnson was going to play? I, w- I would have been shocked if he didn't suit up for this game. We all knew that he would, he would play and do his very best. And regardless of what percentage he's at, he still looks like Lane Johnson. We were we were talking uh, leading up to this game that we would take a 70% Lane Johnson over 100% Jack Driscoll. He looked like 100% when 
Lane Johnson. Of course, there was grimacing and kind of gimping along the way, but he took Kayvon Thibodeau and other rushers out of the game. What do you, what I'm sure you are out of words to this point to speak about Lane Johnson, but how encouraged were you with his performance and how do you feel about him moving forward and, and trying to go up against Nick Bosa and that, and that lethal San Francisco defense? Yeah, the, the two concerns I had coming into the game was just how are they going to use Jalen Hurts in terms <laughs> of injury stuff? How How's Lane Johnson going to hold up? Like my only two concerns were really just related to health things. And, you know, you already mentioned Jalen Hurts answered that question on like the first pass of the game. And Lane Johnson, like that first drive, I saw him a time or two, like grab it as grab it as hey, groin. And he so, was hobbling a little like, bit. I, yeah, yeah it's like, I don't I don't know how this is going to go, but it settled in and he went on, he went on a Chris Long's podcast. I don't know if you heard this, but he was talking about it. And he said that, uh, you know, obviously hadn't played in like a month. And he said, so there in the first quarter, it was hurting. Uh, and then, you know, whatever it healed in the last month tore and, the, and then he felt good again. So that's, <laughs> that's insane to me. Um, it's like scary. Insane, almost. But, it's like scary. Yeah. So he, but I mean, he played great after that. And, you know, I mentioned on the podcast last week that it was a not favorable matchup for the interior offensive line with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, but they held those guys to a combined two pressures and three run stuffs, like totally took them out of the game. And the Eagles just had their way. They rushed 44 times for 268 yards and three touchdowns, 6.1 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. And per next gen stats, they had 150 yards before contact rushing. That's only happened six times this season in the NFL, and three of them were the Eagles. So the Eagles' offensive line is just dominant. They had 33 inside zone running plays, and averaged 4.6 yards before contact. Just like, unheard of. Just run this. Just run the same play 33 times and get 4.6 yards per contract. That they, they they whipped the Giants in the trenches, and that's where they won the game. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, Giants fans are screaming up and down. Oh, our, our our secondary wasn't healthy this time. We have a Dory Jackson. We have Xavier McKinney back. We have all these guys back, and this isn't going to be the same Giants team. They were right. They were they looked worse. They looked worse. So they were they were right in that regard. But the running game is definitely a lot. And you look at Kenneth Gainwell, who. I'm pretty sure you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Was a career high for 112 yards on on just 12 carries. Miles Sanders chipped in 90 yards. Jalen Hurts only had to throw for 154 yards. So Shane, I think a tune-up game was a very good way to put it because Jalen Hurts didn't even really have to do a whole lot. He kind of punched him in the mouth in the in the first half, 28 nothing, and then they they obviously for good reason coasted in the second half to prepare for for, for next week. They get the extra day off as well, playing on Sunday, having played on Saturday. So Kenneth Gainwell now is, is seemingly becoming more and more part of the offense. I didn't think this would happen in the postseason. But now when you look at sports books for the sports bettors that are that are looking at Gainwell after his big game, his prop line is just nine and a half rushing yards. And for us irresponsible guys, you start to think, oh, I should put the check on that line. Uh, where, where, where do you uh, where how how do you feel? about this this rushing attack moving forward because Hertz only rushed for 38 yards. They still they ran him more than they did in the season finale, but it looks like they're still trying to get him in rhythm, don't want to put that shoulder at risk uh, uh, for good reason. But where are you at with the Eagles rushing attack at, as of now? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the best rushing attack in the NFL, right? And Hertz didn't run a lot, granted. And I don't think it's because he can't. They ran him a few times. But yeah, they did. You're just not going to when you're up 28 to zero at the drop of a hat. And I, I'll tell you, I felt bad for Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders played phenomenal. Very, very well. Like, like legitimately probably the best game he's had as a pro. Like his vision and his cut, it was so good the way he ran the ball. 
and Kenny Gainwell gets a hundred yeah, yards. He was an afterthought. Kyle Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny Gainwell gets a touchdown. Boston Scott gets a touchdown. Uh, Jalen Hurts gets a touchdown. Miles Sanders doesn't. So not only did Miles Sanders get left out of the touchdown club, a different running back got a hundred yards, but uh, Miles Sanders played great. And I think that they were also limiting his reps because it was a blowout and he was banged up at the end of the year, but it was nice to see him uh, run so well. That's going to be huge in this upcoming matchup if the Eagles are able to run the ball like that. Yeah, that's definitely going to be uh, so, something to watch as well. Miles Sanders did all the dirty work, like you mentioned, didn't have any touchdowns uh, to show for it. But man, what a, what, a, what a team effort it was. Everybody got in on it. Devontae Smith continues his hot streak of over 100 yards. And of course, we're going to expect uh, more and more A.J. Brown next week after not needing him a whole lot. And, and this game defensively, I saw when I was looking at snap counts, and I think I saw you uh, mention this at one point during the week as well, is that this defensive line rotation, if you're able to keep them fresh, I don't know how you're going to stop them. And for every single member of that defensive line to be under 35 snaps and for guys to be able to come in, Brandon Graham, who got snubbed for his uh, Comeback Player of the Year award, we could talk about that briefly uh, later, and and, and Adamkin Sue and Linval Joseph and uh, Josh Sweat and all these other guys. Nobody played a single snap over 35. When you have a defensive line that deep that you can just rotate bodies in and out and still be just as productive, like I mentioned, I don't know how they're going to stop that. How'd you feel about the, the snap rotation? And when you saw those snap counts, what kind of stood out to you most? Yeah, uh, that pass rush rotation, like you mentioned, is huge just for keeping guys fresh. Um, and, you know, don't forget the Eagles coming off of a bye week and are able to keep their snap counts that light versus a team like the 49ers who's played back to back weeks and they have one day less rest this time around than the Eagles. So the Eagles are going to be fresh. Uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me snap count wise, though, was on the offensive side. It was Zach Pascal out snapping Quez Watkins. Mm. Uh, Pascal had 25, Quez had 22. A lot of Quezes came kind of at the end, too, in garbage time. Ooh. So it seems like uh, Zach Pascal is the new wide receiver three for the Eagles. Unless, you know, Quez was never listed on an injury report. I don't think there's anything going uh, on there. I don't think so. Maybe they just liked their matchup with running the ball more and Pascal's a better blocker. Or maybe, you know, the streakiness of Quez just became too much but i thought it was worth noting that pascal outsnapped quez this week wow yeah that is some, something of note but quez is kind of um well, what's the word i want to use i guess underwhelming this season he's beginning out muscled he's not hasn't been running the sharpest routes i would i would say so it certainly makes more sense as when, when you have the run heavy packages that you do to put uh to put zach pascal in there and to use him more more effectively uh, I want to talk about CJ Gardner Johnson and Reed Blankenship because maybe maybe we have Avante Maddox back this week. We'll find out as as practice goes on. I think the Eagles return to practice today and we'll see the injury reports. But man, Reed Blankenship and undrafted. We've been talking about Brock Purdy and Mr. Irrelevant and all that. Reed Blankenship, undrafted out of Middle Tennessee, plays 92% of the defensive snaps in an NFC divisional round game. We we have have rightfully given Howie so much praise of of the offseason additions and grabbing and grabbing a CJ Gardner Johnson and all this other stuff. But man, when you find undrafted free agents that can be contributors not only during the season but in a playoff game, ah, that is that is that is unheard of as well. He and Marcus Epps uh, uh, locked it down on the back end to CJ Gardner Johnson. His versatility has been a big deal as well, making up for the loss of Avante Maddox when Josiah Scott hadn't been the most impressive how we already talked about Badbury uh, a little bit but man these safeties how do you feel about Reed and CJ and the and the uh and the production that they've been able to provide 
Yeah, it's it's been huge, right? And you mentioned what Marcus Epps was he on? No, he wasn't undrafted. He was a late round guy, right? Yeah, he was late round. Yeah, yeah. But TJ Edwards was undrafted. Exactly, I mean, you've yeah. got two big cogs in the middle of your defense are UDFAs, and and that's that's pretty cool that they're able to do that. Howie has always seemed to do well on like day three of the draft and UDFAs. Sometimes better than round. Better one than the first two, round. But, <laughs> yeah, just trade those first round picks for day three picks, but. Um, yeah, it's been huge and it allowed the Eagles defense to be a lot more flexible. Uh, I was calling for Chauncey Gardner Johnson to play the slot earlier in the mm-hmm. year. They started to do that more now. If Avante comes back, you would assume they bump back to Avante in the slot and put Chauncey Gardner Johnson at safety. But there is something to be said for how good of a run defender coming downhill out of the slot Chauncey Gardner Johnson is and how effective he is on like tight ends and you're facing George Kittle. So I just think it gives you a lot of flexibility. Uh, certainly in dime packages, you could put both those guys down there and put Reed back on the field. So uh, it gives more flexibility, which is a big deal, especially against a team that whose offensive personnel is so flexible and versatile as well. Yeah, I think I think being able the versatility has always been a big deal for for Jonathan Gannon's defense. And when you grabbed a guy who uh, a week before the season who had you know learned the defense and as good as he's been, uh, th- thankfully he got healthy at the right time. Uh, has bode well for this defense as well. Uh, one one last guy I want to touch on, and then I'll let you uh, put a bow put a bow on this game is uh, Hassan Reddick. Now we've we've saying his praises all year long, but now we're in the postseason, and we were we were wondering, you know, what's what, what's he gonna? Well, not really wondering, just kind of waiting to see what he was going to do in this game. Another five tackles, one and a half sacks, and three QB hits. This man is on a tear. I'm like I've seen since maybe I was a child, like maybe like Trent Cole, like similarly, but I haven't, I don't remember an edge rusher or pass rusher in general being this dominant in this city during, during my lifetime. Like this guy is just, just been an animal. And I understand Micah is, is the media darling and everything he provides on defense. But man, the fact that Hassan Reddick wasn't even in the remote discussion for defensive player of the year seems, seems to be weird, weird to me, but man, I, I don't, I am out of good things to say about Hassan Reddick and he gets to do it in front of his hometown. And and the more he does this and the longer he plays in Eagles green and, and the more he continues to stuff the sash sheet, the more I see his contract, I think to myself that he is woefully underpaid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's biggest steal of free agency last year. Maybe one of the biggest free agent steals ever. Um, the way that he's played, he just abused Evan Neal for that yeah, game. Poor rookie, man. You know, <laughs> We'll talk about we'll talk about, you know, Mike McGlinchey here in a minute, a guy that uh, Micah Parsons made defy gravity in in the Cowboys 49ers game. But that's who Hassan Reddick's going to be rushing against in this game. So, you know, I expect Reddick to continue to go on a tear. But he he has been on one for the last two months, man. It's been crazy. Yeah, he he's going to I feel like he's going to compete with uh with Malcolm Jenkins for the greatest free agent signing in this in this franchise history. Obviously, it's only been one season, but this one season has been has it has been something else. Um, I do, I do want to talk about the the the, uh, the AP awards and the finalists that were announced this morning. But before we get into that, uh, anything else you want to uh, touch on for this game that we haven't hit on as we uh, move forward, move past the Giants and look ahead toward towards the 49ers? No, I think I think that's about you it. Said, this is long enough. <laughs> yeah, that, this is enough. That, this game just a blowout. There's really not much interesting to talk about at left in this one. Just total domination. 
Uh, and I hope we do the same thing this weekend, but we'll get into that. Yeah, I hope we can put a rest. I hope that this puts puts uh, a rest to the myth that it's hard to beat a team three times because it surely didn't matter <laughs> this in this in this weekend. Um, so so real quick, the uh, the the AP awards because they announced all the finalists earlier today, and there are some notable snubs and there's some notable names um, um, that we should go over. So just because we were talking about um Brandon Graham, who only play, who only had to play twelve snaps. And, and the Giants game, but still were able to, to, to get a sack. I just want to make it known to these people that this man is 34 going on 35. And I can imagine, I've never torn my Achilles or ruptured it or anything, but I can imagine that at a guy who's eight years older than I am, eight, nine years older than I am, and has to, has to recover from that and maintain the same burst and be able to get off the line of scrimmage against all pro athletes, 300 pounders, and get to the quarterback. And this man logged a career high 11 sacks, double digit sacks. And he isn't in the conversation for comeback play. And mind you, he was out since week two. I think the 49ers game is when it happened, I believe, last year. Uh, so he goes down. He's out for the year. He, he rehabs it, comes back as in his mid-30s and puts up the best year of arguably the best year of his career. And who are the names that make it? Geno Smith, who I'm still trying to figure out what he came back from. I understand that he was written off and all this, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like if you're bad for years, and you came back from the bench that doesn't make you a comeback player of the year candidate. But that's that's just me, Shane. I'll get your thoughts on that uh, uh, and, and, in a second. Saquon Barkley, who I think only missed five games last year. I understand he, he tore it up this year, but I think he only missed five games. And Christian McCaffrey, who is seemingly comeback player of the year candidate every year because he's hurt every year. So those names, when I saw them and I didn't see Brandon Graham's name, and I was like, all right, I get it. Defensive players don't win it a whole lot. When you look at the list, it's Burrow and all, and all these other guys and and Alex Smith for, for for obvious reasons. But man, your your thoughts, or maybe you were expecting it. Your thoughts when you didn't even see Brandon Graham mentioned in, in that comeback player of the year award list. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, notably coming off of a sprained ankle <laughs> in 2021. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, that's horrible. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, I believe, was also a sprained ankle. Hamstring. <laughs> and, and yeah, and Geno Smith. Coming, come back from being from being a journeyman football. From being a journeyman, yeah. that's a comeback. Like, that's so, warranting a comeback award. I don't understand. Yeah, there's that's that's uh, that's awful. There, there's no doubt. There should be no debate over who comeback player of the year is. It's the 34 year old coming off a torn Achilles uh, that broke double digit sacks and set a personal record in, in route to helping the Eagles set a franchise record and leading the NFL in sacks by almost 20. So. Uh, yeah, that it's absurd that Brandon Graham isn't the shoot. There shouldn't even be finalists. Like they should have just given it to him already because it's so obvious. How how doesn't he? How isn't he? I I can understand if he's a finalist and just didn't win. I'd be happy about it. But how isn't he even considered? And like I said, I know defensive players and, and all that stuff that doesn't catch the eye and, and, and all that. But man, I am I am stunned that he wasn't even listed uh, uh, as far as that award is concerned. And then the other snub we will have. And I'm not really upset about this one because I understand they take rosters into account. So I believe there was like a lot of back and forth about this because Sirianni was listed like in the final five, but then wasn't in the final three or something like that. So it's Shanahan, Brian Dayball, Doug Peterson are the final three for coach of the year. And then uh, it was Sirianni and uh, who's the fifth McDermott, I believe. I don't know why he was there. So. Our, our thoughts regarding Sirianni not being a finalist despite having the best record in football, despite having the best record in franchise history. And also, why didn't Dan Campbell make this list? <laughs> Take McDermott off and put Dan Campbell on that list. Yeah. Um, the last time the Eagles had a coach in the running for coach of the year, a coach that he beat 
and Sean Mc, or uh, Sean McVay got it and then made an early playoff exit. So this year, uh, you have a coach that Sirianni beat not once, not twice, but three times who made an early playoff exit in there, and then the coach that he's about to beat this next week. So uh, hopefully we just keep that tradition alive of disrespecting Eagles coaches who go on to win Super Bowls. But uh, in all reality, though, if I had a vote for this award, I would vote for Doug Peterson. Mm -hmm. I think he's the most deserving for walking into the organization he did, who's had the number one pick each of the last two years in the draft, and not only getting him to the playoffs, but winning a playoff game. So I think I would, I think my vote would be for Doug. Um, I think you can make a valid argument for Dable, Shanahan, Sirianni. I think all four of those guys are deserving, had great years, but uh, I, I think Doug should win the award personally. Where's Dan Campbell? Why wasn't he? Does he not deserve to be here? Take McDermott off of there. I think Dan Campbell did a lot with that Lions team. I would have liked to see the Lions uh, uh, in the uh, in, in the mix for the playoffs over Tampa. At least that would have been. Um, I'm a little more exciting. They could have made Jared Goff comeback player of the year. Yeah, he was he was written off too, and he he, yeah. he looked like he was uh, uh he was doing something. So that's good there. Uh, as far as the MVP finalists are concerned, we already kind of knew uh, what this was going to be, but it looks like well, offensive player of the year awards. We have Jalen Hurts, Justin Jefferson, and Pat Mahomes, and then uh, Shane Steichen was also listed as an assistant coach of the year finalist along with D'Amico Ryans and Ben uh, or Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. So good things, good things. there. just really upset about Brandon Graham, not even being considered for a comeback play of the year after the, after the season he put up, I get it. Maybe people aren't as aware away from Philadelphia of what Brandon Graham is doing, but still disheartening to say the least in Sirianni, although not as shocking because they look at the rosters up and down. You look at what Shanahan did with three different QBs this year. And of course, what Doug Peterson did after the uh, the, the Urban Meyer uh, to turmoil, I'm not shocking there that they gave the edge to those guys over uh, Nick Sirianni. Any final thoughts as far as the season awards? I know they don't really matter to this point because we have higher aspirations. But any final thoughts re regarding those? <laughs> yeah. So MVP award, you got Mahomes and Hurts, right? It's got to be one of the two. All I'm saying is for all the talk about Jalen Hurts being a system quarterback. I saw Chad Henney come in and lead a 98-yard touchdown drive in 12 plays. So maybe Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback. Uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think. The, the Chiefs looked fine with Chad Henney. The Eagles did not look fine with Gardner Minshew. I'm obviously joking. Uh, hey, the Chiefs looked but, damn good with uh, Alex Smith that year. Alex Smith ran that offense yeah. fairly well. So, so definitely a yeah. system. So I'm, I'm obviously joking there. Either one of those guys is well-deserving of the award. But uh, I, I think Mahomes will win it because – the media darling, but we'll see. We'll see how that one plays out. Hey, you and I uh, could run the 49ers offense if they want to talk about systems. They could put you and I in the back there at quarterback and give me Ayuk and Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle, and all these other guys, and we could make some stuff happen. So we'll talk about, obviously, the 49ers coming up after the break. Appreciate you guys for listening to this edition of the EPA podcast. We will be back right after the break to talk about the matchup as we look forward to facing against the 49ers with a trip to Super Bowl 57. 57, right? right? Is it 57? Super Bowl 57 <laughs> uh, with a trip to that Super Bowl on the line. Keep it locked right here, guys. We'll be back right after the break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back here on the EPA podcast. We're going to break down the Eagles matchup against the 49ers coming up on conference championship weekend. Uh, Obviously, the 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys 19 to 12 on Sunday, continuing the Cowboys drought uh, of NFC title games. What is it like 75 years now? Uh, I know. I I know. uh, It's been I know it hasn't happened since I've been alive. Their last conference championship appearance was 96. Back when the Macarena was being played in like clubs. So that tells you how long uh, that was going. Like Nintendo 64, people were playing. Um, as far as winning one, yeah, heck of I know. But I know the last conference championship appearance was 96. So I've, I was three at the time. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So been a, been a while. Going to be at least another year, maybe several years. But uh, the Eagles and the 49ers are going to meet in that game. And I, I was telling I was telling Victor before the show, kind of off the air, that this is the most hyped up I've been for a playoff game, like from an analyst point of view. I mean, obviously I was hyped about Super Bowl 52, but from an anal- analyst point of view, this is the most excited I've been about a playoff matchup in a long time. Like these are the two most talented rosters in the NFL and they're facing off in an NFC title game. You just think about the players in this game, like for the 49ers skill position wise, you've got George Kittle. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Juszczyk. The Eagles have A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, apparently Kenny Gainwell. I yeah, it's apparently. Just the, the, the players that you have, the weapons, you know, on defense, you've got the 49ers pass rush, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa uh, versus the Eagles pass rush. The, the 49ers rank fifth in the NFL in pass rush win rate. The Eagles rank first, like, this is a matchup with Titans. It's a clash of Titans. And I- I'm so excited just to watch this one play out. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game. Yeah, it should be should be a very good game, especially from just star power alone. Like you look at you already mentioned the uh the other uh, the personnel alone between what, what these two teams have. And even when you take Brock Purdy uh out of the mix, I think this was the toughest matchup that could present itself to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now I will say. We discussed last week who would we rather face between Dallas and the 49ers. And part of me was thinking like an Eagles-Dallas championship game would be fire. But man, it was so much more satisfying to see them lose and continue the downward spiral and not even have to worry about the risk of potentially losing to the Cowboys in a championship game. So much less stress uh, in regards to that. Uh, I will say uh, Sirianni's doing a conference right now. 
and just got the alert coming through that uh, he expects everybody to practice today, including A.J. Brown and Avante Maddox. So hopefully we have uh, Maddox back to help contain uh, a lot of these skill players. But, man, one of my biggest things on on defense as far as the 49ers is concerned is Fred Warner. He might be the best off-ball linebacker, and probably in football, if, if, uh, if, if, if I had to guess. Or if I if I was a betting man and I had to somebody asked me who's the best off ball linebacker in football, Fred Warner is a guy I've been watching for 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 a long time for a long time. 130 tackles this year, 10 pass breakups, two interceptions, two sacks, and he's even better than the numbers say because his intelligence and agility and and sideline to sideline speed is so astronomical. When you have uh, a mastermind like D'Amico Ryan's behind that, mastering everything that he does, don't even worry about the pass rush like. Like like Fred Warner is in the middle of that defense, calling the shots and becoming the playmaker um, um, that he is. Who do you think poses the toughest matchup defensively uh, on the 49ers end? Because Jalen Hurts is probably hasn't seen a, a defense this tough in, in quite a bit. Yeah, it's Warner. Uh, he's just an incredible football player. The way that the way that he identifies and processes things like uh, I'm working on some 49ers all 22 mm-hmm. stuff to put out today and tomorrow and I just finished going through their defensive game against the Cowboys and like there's plays like the Cowboys go empty and the 49ers are playing cover one man and Warner is like the whole guy in the middle of the field and Dak takes a one-step drop and he opens up to the right and Warner reads that it's a one-step drop and just immediately triggers on an in-breaking route from the outside wide receiver and shuts it down and like that's just so impressive that the middle linebacker Re, he sees the way that Dak opens up, realizes it's a one-step drop, ball's coming out quick, and he just immediately triggers to the only in-breaking route on that side of the field. And if he's not there, that's an easy completion because Lamb put a good move on the corner. He gets open, but just doesn't matter. that They had other snaps where like they, they ran dagger against the or the 49ers uh, defense, and the 49ers are playing like cover two. Dagger is a concept you run against that where – your slot receiver runs the deep vertical route. And then you've got an outside receiver that runs the deep end route. And the idea is to run off the safety and throw it in behind. And that doesn't work because Fred Warner, a linebacker, just carries CD Lamb 30 yards upfield on the vertical route, past the safety, and the safety just sits on the end route. You just don't do that. Linebackers don't do that. They had another one where uh, he's lined up mugging the A-gap. So think between the center and the guard he's in that gap at the snap of the ball like he's going to rush and he bails out and runs 20 yards up the seam with a slot receiver he's just a phenomenal athlete uh he allows them to break every coverage rule that there is you know you play a quarter style defense and typically against trips three receivers on one side that weak side safety is keying the number three receiver and the 49ers don't have to do that because fred warner can do it and it allows them to be so creative with what they do this is going to be a huge game for Jalen Hurts being able to read, diagnose what the 49ers are doing because they love to change things post snap. Uh, and Warner is a huge part of everything that they do in that regard. Yeah, any linebacker that can run stride for stride with all pro wide receivers is somebody you're going to have to have, have to worry about. He did it with CD Lamb. We'll see how the how the Eagles try to uh, counter that because he isn't the only problem on that defense. It's also the pass rush and Nick Bosa who. Well, regardless if it's my lot or Lane Johnson, wherever Bosa is going to line up, one of them is going to be responsible for Nick Bosa. Now, the good news is, well, I don't know if it's necessarily good news, but if you can somehow take Nick Bosa out of the equation, the other pass rushers aren't, aren't I mean, they're not 
they're not terrible, but they're not great either. So the 49ers have 44 total sacks on a year, right? 18 and a half of them belong to Nick Bosa. After that, the drop-off is substantial. You have Samson Ebicum with five sacks. You have Charles Amenahu with four and a half, who is dealing with some legal issues as of right now. And you have Drake Jackson with three, and then a whole bunch of other guys with two, one, and, and half sacks. So if you could take Nick Bosa, who's far and away the sack leader on that defense, you can kind of contain the other guys and hopefully give Jalen Hurts some time. What is the best recommendation from your standpoint on how to try and nullify, to the best of your ability, a pass rusher like Nick Bosa, who's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I think I think you look at what the Cowboys or what they did against the Cowboys uh, to Micah Parsons, what the Eagles did. Uh, there was a lot of leaving him unblocked and putting him into conflicts in space. Um, there was a lot of double, you know, double teaming. Obviously, that was before Lane Johnson got hurt in that game, but and Jack Driscoll came in, but. I think you want to try to double him. I think you want to try to roll away from him. You want to leave him unblocked, put him in conflict on some of those plays. Like Bosa versus Mylotta is a huge matchup. Mylotta ranks 56th this year among offensive tackles in pass block win rate. And so Bosa versus Mylotta is a big thing to watch. Bosa versus Lane Johnson's a big thing to watch too. You know, Lane looked good. Lane wasn't facing Nick Bosa. Right. And Kevon Thibodeau's good. He's no Nick Bosa. And so uh, that's going to be big. And the 49ers are going to do a lot to isolate Bosa on these guys. They love to mug gaps, get linebackers standing up in the A gaps and get your slot, your slot corner in there. Like he's going to blitz. And then they bail guys out and they change coverages after the snap. They're trying to, they will try to set it up where you have to slide away from Nick Bosa and you leave him one-on-one with guys. And so, you know, the Eagles, that's going to be a big game for Jason Kelsey, identifying things for backs and pass protection. One thing the Cowboys tried to do is they would have Dalton Schultz like block, not not like chip block and go out into a route. It was like he would full on block for like a second and then just release and, and they would hit him a lot. And so I think you can do some things like that, especially as creatively as they use Fred Warner running up the seams uh, that that short area of the field can open up. You can hit your check downs to your receiver or your running backs over the middle. You can uh, hit those block and release routes to your tight end. So. That's some of the things that I would try to do. and But at the end of the day, I don't think you try to do too much. Don't try to get too cute because you do have the best offensive line in football. You've got five guys that are top-tier players, and I think you trust them as well. So it's something to watch, but I don't think it's something that you over-adjust to unless it starts to cause problems. Yeah, they're going to have to try and uh, figure out that pass risk because Eric Armstead is there in the mix too, and he's, 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 not, a, he's not an easy guy. Uh, to block as well. So as long as Lane Lane Johnson can hold up, you mentioned he was he was good against Kayvon Thibodeau last week, but Nick Bosa is a whole different whole different animal. So depending on wherever he is lined up, uh, whether it's Mylotta or or Lane Johnson, that's going to have to be matchups to watch as well. As far as the outside is concerned, the cornerbacks are underwhelming for the 49ers. The Eagles, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. Uh, 49ers have Lenore on the outside. Because they are what well, Javarius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley were there to begin the season, and they have Jason Ferret, who missed 105 games over his nine-year career, and he also tore his Achilles this season and never played a game. So the the, the secondary is kind of banged up. So I feel like there are matchups there to take advantage of, as far as the Eagles' receivers are concerned. If you were Shane Steichen and devising up a game plan for this game, who do you think you would make the focal point of this offensive attack? Yeah, uh, I think you want to be able to push the ball downfield outside the numbers. Um, the 
they ran a lot of like cover three zone against the Cowboys. And when you run cover three zones like that, you're going to have your corners on an island. Think think the Jim Schwartz defense, right? Your, your corners are responsible for the deep uh, portions of the field. And so you can take them vertically. You can run, you know, you can run the routes where your comeback routes, your deep, your deep hitches, things like that. And so I think I would look for something like that to come from the Eagles. Uh, they've got two winners on the outside and Devonta Smith and AJ Brown. That's a favorable matchup. And as good as the 49ers are in the middle of the field, they struggle deep outside the numbers. Uh, Jalen Hurts has the most passing touchdowns and the highest passer rating in the NFL this season when throwing 25 plus yards and the 49ers defense is bottom five defending that. There was a play in the Cowboys game where CD Lamb just straight up burned his cover three corner and Dak underthrew it. And Lamb made a great play on it to catch it. But if that ball's in stride, it's a 75 yard touchdown pass. And so I think those opportunities will present themselves and, you know, Hertz has to hit on those. Hopefully AJ Brown is a hundred percent, but I would be trying to push the ball downfield against these corners on the boundaries. I think that's one of your most favorable matchups in this game. Yeah, Lenore on the outside was the same guy that uh, Quez Watkins beat for that 91-yard pass last season, although that pass ended up resulting in no points. We try to forget about that. Uh, but the Eagles certainly familiar with that, with that guy on the outside. So I anticipate that they'll target him over uh, Javarius Ward. So we'll see how all that shakes out as well. I think the toughest part of this game plan is going to be running on this defense. Uh, the 49ers allow 79 rushing yards per game. That's second in the league. 22 rushing attempts per game. That's first. Uh, 3.4 yards per attempt. That's second. Only four and a half rushing first downs per game. Good for first in the league. And only 19% of their runs result in first downs allowed. So that is also first in the league. Do the Eagles have any hope to, to, to run this ball down the throats of the 49ers? Or like you just mentioned, you're, you're just going to, you're just going to throw it downfield and hope you can catch these corners, corners uh, lacking. Yeah. So the Eagles run inside zone out of 11 personnel more than anyone in the league. Uh, this season, the 49ers allow 3.2 yards per carry to inside zone runs. So uh, that said, they haven't faced a team with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts in terms of mobility. Marcus Mariota earlier in the season, I think Bosa missed that game, so I don't want to look at it too much, but Mariota had a good running game there. Um, the 49ers like to run light boxes because they have two high safeties a lot. The problem against, you know, you can defend the run out of that. It's tougher, but you can do it. The problem is now that when you have a mobile quarterback, not only are you down one in the box, you're down two in the box and the Eagles offensive line is so good. So I think the threat of Hurts in the running game is huge here, as is the fact that the 49ers, they base out of nickel personnel, 4 2 five. Uh, Sometimes they'll run 4-3, but they don't have like that five down front setup that the Eagles have. And so what you saw Dallas do was Dallas went multiple tight ends. They tried to get heavy and run between the tackles, and, and they had some success doing that early. I think you could see the Eagles do that. It might be more of a 12 personnel game or they might, you know, 12 personnel running and spreading it out and trying to run your zone read stuff, I think are both going to be valid approaches to run on the 49ers defense. So one of the, uh, the, the two names that are kind of headlining this matchup is the elite level of tight end play between George Kittle and Dallas Goddard, George Kittle scoring a ton of touchdowns between the, uh, the, the end of the season, as well as the playoffs and Dallas Goddard, who solidified himself as a top five, if not top three tight end this season as well. 
if you are a betting man and somebody came to you and said, who's going to post the better box score for this game, which are you leaning towards uh, uh, Kittle and Dallas Goddard? Yeah, I think Dallas Goddard is a slightly better tight end than George Kittle. However, uh, George Kittle versus Kazir White and TJ Edwards is a much better matchup than Dallas Goddard against Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. So uh, I don't think Goddard's going to have a bad game or anything like that, but I, I definitely think that George Kittle will have the better game uh, out of the two. Yeah, I think the linebacker matchups are a little more favorable as far as the, uh, the 49ers are concerned. It's funny because back before we even had moderately good linebackers, we've been, we've been lucky enough to have them this year. Back in the Nathan Gary and Alex Singleton days, uh, I would watch Fred Warner and be like, man, I would do heinous things to have a linebacker like this with the Philadelphia Eagles. And now at least we have uh, TJ Edwards and Kazir White, who who I believe, uh, I, I don't think Kazir will be here next year just because they have Nakobe waiting in the wings. We'll have to see what they do with this list of 20 pending uh, free free agents. But it's good to have decent linebacker play uh, uh, this season. I think one of the things early on in the year, the turnover differential was such a big thing for the Eagles. They've kind of tapered off as far as takeaways are concerned. And the 49ers are elite. At, at, at turnovers they're second in the nfl and takeaways this season they have 30 of them and they are third in giveaways meaning they, they don't give it away that often just third in the league with only 17 giveaways so they take it away a lot they don't give it up that often how do you think the eagles what is the best way to try and generate turnovers the obvious answer is to get pressure on brock purdy probably hasn't dealt with an atmosphere like philadelphia maybe ever in his life he went to iowa state so i doubt he's seen anything close to what he's going to see in Philadelphia, I think Brock Purdy's in for a real, real shock when he gets uh, to Philly. But Shane, is it as simple as you get pressure on Brock Purdy, make him uncomfortable, force him to make bad decisions? Or is Shanahan so clever that he's not even going to allow Purdy to be in such situations? No, it's definitely pressure. Um, <laughs> he he really struggled in the Cowboys game when he was pressured. And the 49ers have not really played good defenses since Purdy took over the Cowboys are the best defense they've played and the Cowboys defense doesn't touch the Eagles defense, even in the pass rushing, they're not as good as the Eagles. Their secondary is definitely not as good. And so when pressured in the Cowboys game, Purdy only completed 33% of his passes for 4.6 yards per attempt with a 12 and a half percent sack rate, 12 and a half percent first down rate. And he had a 49 passer rating versus when he wasn't pressured, it was 88% completion percentage. Uh, double the yards per attempt, 9.4, and he had a 53% first down rate, 105 QB rating. So it was night and day when he was pressured and when he wasn't. You look at the Eagles, they pressured Daniel Jones on 46% of his dropbacks. And so getting pressure uh, is going to be huge. And and then just the environment, you mentioned it, like he played at Iowa State, right? He's a rookie. Uh, if you go back to college, he was 20 and four in home games in college, and he was 10 and 13 in road games. Since he's become starter in the NFL, he's only played two road games. He played Seattle, which is a tough place to play. And then he played the Raiders. And that was probably half San Francisco fans in the crowd because nobody goes to Raiders games, kind of like nobody goes to Chargers games. He hasn't traveled across the country for a game. Every game's been on the West Coast. And so if you get that West Coast traveling to the East Coast thing in there as well, like he has not faced a defense like the Eagles. He has not played in an environment like Philadelphia. And I think those are huge factors in this game. Yeah, that's definitely the, the the big thing. When we were talking about who do you want to face between Dallas and Philly, a lot of people were saying bring Purdy to Philadelphia and let him let him feel that uh, for, for for a while. The atmosphere was amazing last week. It's only going to be even more uh, crazier 
this weekend. So we'll have to see how how you know Purdy handles all of that because we know the Eagles thrive in that in that home stadium. This is why you 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 work all season long to clinch that number one seed, and and it's for situations um, um like this and the cold weather. I don't know how Purdy's going to do, and and all of that. Any other? Uh, I've, I've been kind of running down the list of matchups here. Any other matchups you kind of have circled as far as this game is concerned before we go ahead and get into predictions? Yeah, I mentioned uh, Reddick versus Mike McGlinchey. Oh, yeah, he did. That's a huge one. <laughs> uh, McGlinchey gave up a team-high five pressures against Dallas, and if you haven't seen the picture of Micah Parsons like throwing him and he's parallel to the ground, you need to go find that on Twitter. I tweeted it at one point. Everybody tweeted it. Just If you Google image search Mike McGlinchey, you'll probably come up with it. But <laughs> it's just insane that a 310-pound man was parallel to the ground like that. But So that's going to be huge. Um Another thing that's huge in this game is just going to be the Eagles coverage rules. They're going to be tested so much. Like the 49ers run 21 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end at the highest rate in the league, 43%. But that's, that doesn't look like I formation. Like they're so positionless. Kyle Juszczyk is a fullback or he's a tight end. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is a running back or he's a slot receiver. Or heck, you can put him out all the way at the boundary as a receiver. He can run a full route tree. Uh, George Kittle, you can attach him to the line. You can put him in the slide. He can go outside. Debo Samuel is a running back sometimes. Like they can come out in 21 personnel and they could be an I formation or they could be in an empty set. And it just puts so much stress on your defense figuring out how to deal with that. You add on to that, they motion at the second highest rate in the league. 71% of their plays, there's somebody in motion. And that stresses your coverage rules even more, especially. When it's a guy like Christian McCaffrey coming out of the back, like the Eagles motion Miles Sanders out and go into empty. Miles Sanders is running like one of two routes. He's going to run a drag or, or a flat route. That's pretty much it. That's all that's in his arsenal. Christian McCaffrey can run any route in the route tree. And so he becomes a receiver. And now you've got to push your coverage. And the Eagles have been very good with their coverage rules and their communication and stuff. They're ne- they've never faced a team that's going to muddy that up as much as the 49ers will. And so, that's going to be a huge thing to watch. Uh, and then just the 49ers are an outside zone rushing team, right? The Eagles are inside zone, and that's the strength of the 49ers run defense. The The 49ers like to run outside zone, and the Eagles are very good defending outside zone. They only allow 3.2 yards per carry to outside zone. So I, I wonder if you're going to see the 49ers try to run more, you know, through the A gaps, through the B gaps, between the tackles at least. Because that has been the vulnerability of the Eagles' run defenses through the tackles. So, you know, when they get into their five down fronts, when you've got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson coming off the edge, it's hard to get outside of that. Uh, so I'm interested to see, you know, how Shanahan approaches the running game in this one too. Yeah, it's a good point because even toward the end of that game when McCaffrey was uh, was coming out, Elijah Mitchell punished, punished Dallas uh, down the stretch there. So they have so many guys who can do so many different things. Brandon Ayuk, who I think I, – I think I still think Devontae Smith is – is the more polished route runner, but Brandon Ayuk is no slouch. He has some, he has some filthy routes in his bag. He's a very good route runner. You have Debo and Kittle and, and use check and McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. And it's so many, even like Juwan Jennings is running around sometimes and they find him like so many guys who can get free and it's going to come down to Brock Purdy making the plays. And hopefully if the, if the, like you said, if the Eagles can get home, it's going to be tough for Brock Purdy to find those guys. It doesn't matter how good the skill players are. If the ball never makes it to their hands, so, so we're going to have to see Shanahan's done a good job to this point of not asking Brock Purdy to do a whole lot, but this game is going to be a whole lot different. I'll take every day of the week 
the uh, the rookie seventh round quarterback up against the defensive line with 75 sacks to their name in one season. I'll take that matchup any day and all day. So that's something that I'm looking forward to watching as well. So predictions before we get up out of here, Shane, I'll let you go first to final score. Do the Eagles make it to the Super Bowl or are they going home? And we're going to have to watch Brock Purdy in the championship match. Which way are you swinging for this one? What final score do you have? Let me ask you this first. Uh, <laughs> How many points does Brock Purdy need to put up on the Eagles defense before you're concerned that the Eagles lose the game? I'll say, man, if they put up like just total or like by a certain point, like if it's like if they have 21 in the second quarter, you're like, oh, man, we're in trouble. <laughs> or like, it, I mean, just like total, like it, it's the Eagles offense is so good. Like it feels to me like the 49ers are not just going to shut that down in the last five games. Jalen hurts has played and tried to win. I'm going to discount week 18. The Eagles have scored 38 points per game. And so even if the 49ers, you know, let's say they're the best defense in the league and they knock 14 points off of that. You're still putting up 24 points is Brock Purdy coming into the link and putting up 24 points. Yeah. I was going to say they put up, (laughs) they put up 19 against Dallas and Dallas's defense isn't as good. I I just don't – I think these are two very good rosters. The Eagles hold key advantages in, in three spots, in quarterback, in, in pass rush, and how that relates to the quarterback pressure, how they play under pressure. Hurts is good when pressure Pur- Purdy is not. And then your cornerback play. I just can't see the 49ers keeping up with the Eagles' defense. I, they'll, or with the Eagles' offense. The only way – I see this game really being a concern as if the Eagles beat themselves. And, you know, Brock Purdy, since he's become the starter, they've had 22 uh, possessions start on short fields. That leads the NFL. Second place is only 13. They've produced turnovers. They've got short fields, and they've converted it into points. And the Eagles just aren't a team that gives the ball away. I think the only team that can beat the Eagles is the Eagles, and Jalen Hurts just doesn't implode. I, I feel really confident about this game. I don't think Brock Purdy is coming into the link and he's putting up 20 points. And I don't think you can beat the Eagles without doing that. So I'm going to say 27, 13 Eagles is my score. Yeah. I'm thinking because when you put it that way, like if it gets into a shootout, although the 49ers do have the firepower to match up with the Eagles, I don't know if Brock Purdy has it in him. Like we've seen them put up points, uh, but not against defenses like this. And to your point, they, they struggle with Dallas's defense and the Eagles are, are a whole different animal. Um, it, it's funny because even when I talk to fans and, and, and media, like it, it, there's a lot less worry in this game than there was last week against the Giants. There was a lot more panic last week, but I guess that once once they saw the way they played, that that kind of nullified all that. And now they're like, we can take down the other you know, the 49ers. So my score, as far as I'm concerned, I think the Eagles win this game by two scores. I think it's 31 to 17. I know they're two and a half point favorites. And the home team usually gets about a three-point bump, so it'll be a pick at that point. But I think the Eagles win this game handedly. I think the 49ers do make some noise, but the defense is just too much for, for Brock Purdy to overcome. Still a rookie, despite everything good he's done. And I, I have 30, I have 31-17 and another trip to the Super Bowl, hopefully. And then we'll have to see how the AFC side shakes out. Anything you want to say as far as the AFC side before we put a ball on it? I know you usually have some thoughts regarding the other the other conference. You pulling for Burrow in this one? Or? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's strange. Like, who do you think who's the better matchup for the Eagles in in the Super Bowl if it gets to that oh, point? Man, part of me says Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Like, part of you says Kansas City because 
you know, Patrick Mahomes banged up. Maybe he won't be then. They definitely don't have as good of receivers. They don't have as good a defense. Defense isn't scary. Like, like... Yeah, then that's you saying, though, that you would like to face Patrick Mahomes, please, in a Super Bowl. And that just feels insane as well. Um, I'm picking the Bengals in that game. I think the Bengals mm-hmm. have the better defense. They've got better receivers. They've got an advantage uh, matching up against the Chiefs' corners. And I think they've got the advantage nobody expected. They've got the better quarterback. With Patrick Mahomes' injury, I think Joe Burrow is the second-best quarterback in the NFL. With the injury to Mahomes, I think he gets that bump. He's probably going to – he's a little bit better than Mahomes playing on one ankle, which seems absurd that we even have to – it's this close of a call. Like, is he still the best quarterback in a walking boot? Maybe, <laughs> but it's really close. Um I love Joe Burrow's quote. I don't know if you heard this. Somebody asked him about the the Bengals like Super Bowl window because you know the whole quarterback on a rookie contract thing, and he said that the the Bengals Super Bowl window is my career. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I, I love, did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love I love that mentality. Um, the Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. He's done a phenomenal job as a DC. He's done a good job against Mahomes. Like uh, on on Twitter, uh, I think it was Ben Solak pulled out the the data against elite quarterbacks over the last two years for the Cincy defense. So against Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, and 2021 Rodgers, the Bengals defense has allowed an EPA of 0.04 per play, and that's basically what Andy Dalton was this year. So uh, you got Mahomes playing on a bum ankle. I, I think the Bengals will probably win this one. So I, I'm predicting an Eagles-Bengals Super Bowl matchup. And, and not to mention, Burroughs had Mahomes' number, the only QB to, uh, to, to beat Mahomes three straight times, and he owns a 3-0 record over Mahomes. So he could be just the one guy that Mahomes can't, can't beat for whatever reason, just the one guy. So the, uh, In week 13 this year, Mahomes was held to his fewest completions of the season by the Bengals. So uh, there's some... There's some stuff there. They won three straight matchups, you know, last year rallying from 18 down in the AFC title game and beating them in overtime. So I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, but yeah, Bengals, Eagles, Super Bowl. Yeah, that's what we're going to pull for. That'd be that'd be mighty fun to watch as well. Although I know a lot of people are pulling for Big Red versus Sirianni and that as well. But we'll have to keep an eye on uh, Mahomes' injury as well. Appreciate you guys for tuning into this edition of the EPA podcast for reacting to Uh, the victory over the Giants as well as looking ahead towards the matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. Be sure to subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation and BGN Radio on all pod platforms, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Be sure to follow me on all social platforms at the Philly Pod, myself, Victor Williams. Shane, where can the people find you and what projects you got coming up on YouTube channel? I know you mentioned some uh, All-21 or All-22 stuff uh, coming up in in the next few days. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. I was working on a project yesterday, heat mapping quarterback uh, throws by zone and stuff. So I tweeted those out for Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts uh, this morning. I'm going to do that for all the quarterbacks in the NFL over the next week or so. But so you can check that out. Uh, you can check me out on YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm going to be breaking down some 49ers defensive all 22 later today and into tomorrow. I'm going to try to get to some offense as well if I have the time. But uh, go check that stuff out. Um, it's all in the link tree. Yeah, it's all in the, in the link tree. tree. Nothing like a good heat map to tell you what, what quarterbacks are doing. Very good stuff over there. Be sure to subscribe to that channel, and you'll learn all you need to about the NFL and where the Eagles are at. Once again, guys, thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one, hopefully talking about a victory and previewing. Well, not previewing because there's a week in between, but showing our excitement 
for uh, another potential Super Bowl title in Philadelphia. Thank you guys again. We'll get you guys next week. Go Birds. Go Birds. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.